The Secrets of Star Wars is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dula on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to the Secrets of Star Wars podcast. May the Force be with you always. You're listening to the Secrets of Star Wars, episode 108. Hello there. It's a power that Jedi have that lets them control people and make things float. Impressive. Every word in that sense was wrong. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I find your lack of faith disturbing. It's against my programming to impersonate a deity. That's not how the Force works. Force is with me, and I am with the Force, and I fear nothing. Remember, the Force will be with you, always. Hey everyone, I'm Angela Ciolana, aka The Bendu, and you're listening to Secrets of Star Wars, where we talk about everything connected to that galaxy far, far away, including the deeper themes and meanings. Today, we will be discussing the layers of The Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 4, The Gathering Storm. Woo! So, joining the conversation today is, first of all, we have old Ben, Mike Creeby. Hello, Mike. Hey, happy to be here. And also with us is the Ronin, Thomas Sanherjo. Hello. It's great to be here. All right. Well, with that enthusiasm, we shall move forward <laughs> into uh, our first impressions of The Gathering Storm. You guys, what did you think? I was, well, I was going to say, <laughs> I was going to, to, to join tonight by saying, I am Boba Fett because it's like I'm losing <laughs> count of how many times he he says that. But uh, uh, and it does make me wonder. It's, it's so different. I feel like you know because Obi Wan's going to be hiding in the Kenobi show. I feel like he'll be doing the opposite. He'll be like, I'm um, Ben. <laughs> I'm from Sioux Falls. Like you're just like, he's trying to like lay low. Um, I I really enjoyed it. I think um, the uh, you know I think there's definitely some some good criticisms out there as there should be for pretty much anything. You know, we talked about some of that last week, but I've, I've kind of been saying this whole time, like as far as people just making these big, like, you know, 20, 30 minute, hour and a half long, two hour long, whatever, just destructive kind of ripping on this show after like <laughs> two episodes or three episodes. I'm like, you guys must be terrible readers. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> it's like, yeah. who, who gets to check in the first two pages? I don't yeah. even know. <laughs> right. You know, like you get to like Genesis three and you give up like, good <laughs> Lord, like there's so many things we could do as a faith related Star Wars show. But anyway, no, but I, I'm, I'm loving it. And as I, more or less as I, I didn't really expect what all this episode had in it specifically. Mm -hmm. It was pretty cool, you know, but um, I, I kind of was anticipating and I, I think we've seen it now that this was a real kind of turning point and a really you know, kind of opening this, this story up. So I'm looking forward to where it goes from here. I, uh, I, I agree with, with all of that. I thought that this was a really great episode to kind of, uh, tie the past into the present for, uh, the whole story, which is really good. But then I was really impressed with the way that cyberpunk is kind of diving into this <laughs> world. And that was, um, cause it's something that's always been on the fringes of talking about star Wars, you know, ever since Luke lost his hand and, the droid had to replace a piece of it and the, the talk about, you know, Vader being more, more machine than man. Uh, so that's an interesting, interesting thing to throw in because now we're getting the more glitzy side of the actual cyberpunk of it. And so if anybody's not familiar, there's a whole genre of fiction that's written around uh, this very specific topic of uh, at what point do we stop being ourselves and become something else? And so 
for them to throw it in with this modder, uh, you know, and we'll get to when we're talking in the episode, but uh, he, uh, Fett asks if he'll close it up, if he's going to cover up the, the work so that it looks like a, a natural stomach. And, and he says, why cover up all that beautiful machinery? And I was like, that's so great. That's exactly what that cyberpunk vibe is. Cool. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's got like a Japanese connection too as well, mm-hmm. right? So also a Star Wars connection there. Um, so my first impression was like by the end of the episode, I was like, man, bring it on. Like I'm ready for the rest <laughs> of this story, right? Which is kind of a miracle, honestly, because I cared very little for Boba Fett like a year ago. And like a few years ago, I maybe even like cringed at the thought of this like totally overhyped character, right? So, um, you know, of course, I was just excited about the connections with uh, the Mandalorian, um, which is very exciting, although not like mind blowing because we've been a little spoiled like the last few Mm -hmm. years of like how organically Star Wars has incorporated all these characters and storylines across the series. But to see and to hear those hints at Din Djarin and the Mandalorian uh, was really gratifying and um, kind of amped up my anticipation for the direction that this um, series is taking. So, um, yeah, cool. So let's get into our deep well, dive. One here. more before, before we go too much further, I want oh, yes. to talk about the, the music because oh, I have yes. been... I have been like sitting on the sidelines about this. I, I didn't want to say anything because I was like, okay, maybe it's not that big a deal. But I have not had a real sense of the theme of Boba Fett. Like, you know, the Mandalorian, like I was humming that theme for days mm-hmm. after watching I'm humming it today. <laughs> no, right? <laughs> so it just, it's just, it gets stuck. And I have yeah. not had that with, uh, with the Boba Fett theme until this episode. And it was the goofiest thing that, uh, you know, Angela and I were talking about it before the show, like why this might be. But I, I can just imagine Van Gorsen sitting there thinking, like, like what am I going to do with this music? What am I going to do? Boba Fett, Boba Fett. But like just mantra humming Boba Fett and sitting in his <laughs> wall of machines, like manipulating it. And then this week it came out, right? Because in the middle of one of the scenes, you hear this Boba <laughs> and that's it and now the theme is completely stuck in my head and all i have to do is think boba fett and the whole theme just spills in so i was like that's it did it for me we're good <laughs> so he must have like seen the footage right like before he was actually creating the music for the episodes right so maybe it was just like the constant repeating of his name that kind of inspired the <laughs> that's movie. what it was there we go now we tied it all together <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Who is he? He's Boba Fett. <laughs> He's very emphatic about telling people who he is. Uh, which is in and of itself interesting, given all of the identity themes that we've been discussing on this show, right? Uh, okay. Well, and he well, doesn't have that. he doesn't have the armor. Like when he like he's even he he said to Fennec at the one point, you know, like without my armor, I'm less persuasive. <laughs> but he's also less recognizable. Mm-hmm. You know, like they see him before, like oh yeah, that guy. So well, it's got to be tough. <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely so um so let us begin with the back to dream shall we um going back to the dune sea <laughs> uh see what i did there nice. going back to anyways. i do, I, do. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, I don't know why my priest made a dad joke in the homily today and i guess it just rubbed off on me um so boba he has his eye on Jabba's palace, um, scouting out the security situation. And, um, and then we get some fireside dining with Boba and his bantha. 
which I guess now we know they can eat meat. I was kind of wondering what do banthas eat in the desert? I think they'll yeah eat anything they can, right? <laughs> you're a desert animal. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I love the puppeteering on it. It's so I'm oh so gosh. happy it's not CGI. You know? Yeah. It's so great. <laughs> uh, it brings a lot of character to it, too. Um, and so and suddenly there's this explosion over the ridge and we hear the single musical motif that we've come to associate with the Mandalorian. Um, and so this was already like for me, I was like, oh, my gosh. Wow. So what were you thinking like when that actually happened? Did, were you anticipating what we were going to see? Did you remember that scene from... Uh, I think it was chapter yeah, five. I had a feeling that we were in that moment where he goes to pick up uh, Fennec because, you know, we, we we talked a lot at that point about who that was. And, you know, at the end, it's revealed that he's around, but we still didn't have that direct association until the later right. season when Fennec shows up with him. I think, too, uh, the it, it cued it pretty quickly when I saw those those flares remembering, you know, how, mm-hmm. how Mando and uh, what was his name? Toro, I think. Mm hmm. Calican, or yeah, how they, you know, were doing that to blind Fennec so she couldn't spot him when she's sniping him. And I was like, oh, cool, okay. But I got a little hung up because there's two big questions I had in this episode mm-hmm. that are not so much a criticism as, as a genuine, like, I just, I'm wondering because I, the timeline passage here is still a little confusing for me. I'm going to have to kind of rewatch a few times. It seemed a little clearer a second time because it seems like, like, I just want, like, I don't know how long he's with them before we got to the actual like welcoming him in and the train and all that like i was thinking a few weeks or months um but then you know we yeah but then we pick up where like he's going in to meet up with the pikes and it's not like that's been going on for a while that's like right after the train thing because there's then this dispute right about Mm -hmm. protection but then he goes home that day and they're all dead and then the next time we see him here he is with his bantha and he's checking out jabba's palace so I don't know how long he was with them versus how long he was by himself repeatedly Mm -hmm. going back to Jabba's palace to scope. I mean, it must have been a few years even after they all got wiped out. Because, again, we we know that that Mando season one is um, four or five, I think five years uh, after um, Return of the Jedi. So that was was just something I I, when I saw it, I kind of knew what it was. But then I was like stopping for a second. Like, wait a minute. I thought we still had a ways to go. But but there they are so yeah i think we're meant to assume that he was with the tuscans for quite a while i mean yeah you know we i think last episode we talked about how he was taught their martial art and you can't really master that in like a year Mm -hmm. you know right yeah um so it probably took a while and honestly like for them to trust somebody probably took a while sure um you know build those relationships to where he was where he was, you know, when he was burning their bodies. So, you know, I think that's a good chunk of time, but then also you're right. Like just wandering the desert, you know, probably that Mm. was a good amount. I mean, he's probably got to come up with some kind of plan, right? Um, He's been planning. How can I get into that palace? Right. How can I get my ship back? Where's my armor? Just all these things are probably going through his mind. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of my assumption there. Um, but so, so we see this other scene with Fennec Shan's body lying in the sand now from the perspective of Boba on the Bantha. And I did go back and watch, uh, Mando chapter five, uh, the gunslinger where 
an unidentified figure comes up to Fennec and kneels down to her. And the thing is that that scene clearly has the sound of metal spurs, mm-hmm. like with every single step. And we did not hear that this time. I think and that kind of like electronic this, whirring kind of. It was like a there's really, like some sort of. Yeah. Yeah. yeah or like a free, it's like too. a radio frequency kind of thing almost. Yeah. Yeah. In, in chapter five of, of Mando. And so um, I just kind of wonder how maybe like Dave Filoni would <laughs> would kind of canon explain that um if he would say like well this is boba's recollection of like what happened or uh you know what we saw before was actually not boba and it was somebody else just kind of looking at her and i don't know i'm just i'm curious do you think it's part of the music i'm doing huge air quotes right now it's not but i mean like i wonder if that's like it's part of the audio track. <laughs> it's a cue. I, I don't know. But yeah, I, I wondered the same thing. Right. Yeah, I was waiting for the spur sounds. I was like, oh, maybe he's got spurs, right? <laughs> it wouldn't make sense. I'm not sure why they didn't go back. Yeah, and, you're writing a bantha. I mean, yeah. yeah, Tuscans don't need spurs. I, I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but also like, where would he get spurs from? I, unless they yeah. made them, you know, the Tuscans. But anyway, that was all I'm interesting. Sure, I'm sure Banthas can go a little faster than they look, but I don't really anticipate like you get on a Bantha and you go, yeah, you know, it's kind of just, <laughs> just lumbering through the dunes. You know? <laughs> well, OK, so that's when we get the title card and we learn the title of this up this chapter. Um, and then we see Boba riding to the outskirts of Moss Eisley at night with Fennec in tow. And we come to what I first thought was like some kind of nightclub or something. Um, it looks it. It, it definitely does. <laughs> and there's several young humans, again, humans only, right? Um, standing outside of this facility here, and they have several mechanical implants. Um, what were you guys thinking during this particular moment? Like, did you anticipate what this place was? Did you, from based on what we had seen, maybe before or even based on what we saw in those young people outside like also what do you just think of this whole you know bringing into canon the you know as you were saying right like this new edition i mean it's kind of new that the young people are just doing this for fun or for kicks or whatever you know um getting these implants yeah it's it's definitely a different take on uh, Star Wars, because it's always been a medical necessity that mm-hmm. uh, that has been going on. And so this uh, in in cyberpunk parlance, we call this guy a ripper doc. <laughs> That's, he's like a, a shady guy that just does implants for, uh, you know, people because they want them, not necessarily because they need them. And so it gets into that realm of like uh, of plastic surgery where, you know, what is the limit of modifying yourself? and and how how does that affect you as a person? And where do you stop being human and start being machine? You know, mm-hmm. so I and I love that. I, I don't know that it's it, it's interesting because it's not something we've explored fully in Star Wars before. Uh, it's always just been a sidebar to something else. You know, so Grievous was uh, a cybernetic creature that had been built by uh by Sidious uh and that was like kind of his his shtick and then you have Vader who's also the same thing uh you have Luke has to question his 
relationship to his father based on that last moment when he cuts his hand off and it's a mechanical hand that's there. And so we've had a lot of like external rever tangential references to it, but never really a direct one that says like, what is the, what is the limit of this? And, and it's also interesting that it's just the humans that are doing it. And that mm-hmm. seems to be kind of the push that, uh, that they're going for is that this is a this is a very human thing not something that any of the other uh species in the galaxy are doing yeah and i, I don't really want to from my side open open up too much of a can of worms just because we could have a whole i think theologically we could have a whole very interesting conversation about about this you know as far as where is that line because mm-hmm. like on one hand you know if even medically you know but at what point you know i mean we're we're all about the incarnation, right? And at what point is, you know, you hear people theorizing about transmitting your consciousness into basically some sort of, you know, uh, network or a hard drive or God knows what else to then possibly, you know, reanimate it later or just like, are, is, are you still you out there if you're disembodied? And this is not easy stuff to figure out. I mean, it, we know mm-hmm. that it can't, if, if you go down that road to that level, it's, it's you know, starting to get potentially a little little dangerous at least iffy what's funny this should come up was because i just today was rewatching a little wandavision mm-hmm. for no real reason in particular and i just happened to come across the scene with uh vision and vision question mark and they have the ship of theseus discussion mm-hmm. and so as soon as thomas this morning i was like that's or right at the beginning of this episode i was like yeah it's kind of like that mm-hmm. you know if you keep replacing the planks of the ship when does it stop being the ship it was and you know it's it's a very intriguing thought experiment you know so um but my thing with them is i think they're cool i just like i said this to angela and andrew last week i just i don't know if it's a casting thing or what but like none of them are intimidating to me like i I wish some (laughs) of them were intimidating you know and i'm not some macho guy or something they're young (laughs) i guess not well you know know. well i guess these ones are (laughs) Right. I think it was last week more because we we sort of got this window into this culture through like Mm -hmm. this gang that he hires to be his sort of enforcers. And, you know, all the debate about that aside. But I did have to laugh, though, because we were panning this crew for some reason. I don't know who played him, but the guy that had the two like the kind of goggly eyes that were like glowing. Mm -hmm. I I got a real Kyle Mooney vibe off him from Saturday Night Live. He (laughs) really looked like him i don't think it is but that was kind of kind of funny i was just like is that kyle moody i don't think so but um it was kind of interesting to definitely like the idea of taking her in there and i really loved how that exchange goes because boba like the only emotion he's really shown so far is when he's like the memeable like a bantha thing right uh-huh. with the big <laughs> smile on his face you know but he's usually just so like completely like chill and silent you know and everything and he takes her and lays her down and he's just like goes over with the money you know and he's like she's dying he's like you should have started with that you know it's just so casually going and repairing her and um i just thought it's funny you know it's maybe luke's i don't know what luke felt about these mods right you know Mm -hmm. so maybe Mm -hmm. he's he lucked out that he got a droid to do his hand because he would have woken up like what is this so (laughs) Well, and, and I think that's the thing. Is I didn't like, ask for diamonds. No, it's, it's, it's the difference. It's the difference between because uh, their mod, their their mods are very visible. Like they're very yeah. uh, external and uh, and showy. Whereas they're not like the, utilitarian. The, exactly. The, the intention yeah. of the other ones is to make a prosthetic that's as much like the real thing as possible. Right. So you moves, right. Like you can you can poke it and he feels it and he can react to what's there just like a regular hand. And so it's 
it's interesting because like this is very much a a different culture from your typical Star Wars. And and they did a good job. Like I thought they did a really good job of making this distinctly unique because it's very colorful. It's very uh, like you said, it almost feels like a nightclub that these these guys are going to this mm-hmm. nightclub to get get their mods, you know. And um, one wonders where they get the money for these things, but it, because they don't have any any jobs, but <laughs> they steal uh, stuff like, and then they sell it. <laughs> that's that's, that's exactly what it seems to be. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it's it's very cyberpunk. Like it really is. It, it definitely fits that um, that kind of cyberpunk genre. It's not as gritty as the cyberpunk can be, but the neon lights and the uh, that sort of drug kind of feel to yeah. it where it's like you know underground uh, underground and you're doing it on on the low and you got this guy who's kind of sketchy you're not sure mm-hmm. whether or not he's great at what he does but he's got the neat hand that helps him do it <laughs> <laughs> it is an amazing hand um and the the character is actually credited as the mod artist um so apparently he is actually played by grammy winning musician thundercat um, and he and his brother were both in a punk band called Suicidal Tendencies, but he is mostly known for his um, jazz influenced music. Um, and actually, he's done something. He's done a project, a song with uh, Childish Gambino, a.k.a. Donald Glover, a.k.a. Um, Lando. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so There's a Lando reference. Yeah, so that's See, now. Cool. Now I should have bought the Lando action figure that we randomly <laughs> saw at Walmart tonight. But I'm like, my daughter's like, Lando, Lando. I'm like, well, that's cool. But I was like, no, honey, I'll just put him back. I was like, I'm not paying twelve bucks for a you know Lando figure. But now I should have. Yeah, this is your sign that you messed up. No, <laughs> that's right. Oh, but so very interesting. Yes, um, and Boba just kind of you know says, oh, she needs modification, just like you were saying. Um, but he does it. He gives her the mechanical gut. What I assume is a mechanical gut because he's uh, Boba later says you had a, a shot to the gut. Right. So um, and then we had seen her reveal that in in the Mandalorian series. I just wonder, like, what, how does it work? But it's Star Wars. Right. So um, <laughs> don't think too much about it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, in a purely fictional world. Just for fun, like if you went to a mod pod mod parlor, like what would you, what would you have modified? Oh man, <laughs> what kind of modification <laughs> would you get? I wasn't ready. To, oh, <laughs> or would you even do it? I see. I am a purist, and I wouldn't. <laughs> I I actually wouldn't. I have thought this is this is one of my favorite genres. So I have been exploring this ever since I was a teen. Like mm-hmm. uh, played games, watched shows, uh, played tabletop games around this. And you inevitably get to the question of, of you know, where do you stop? Like, what is the end? Mm. And, you know, because I mean, if you could just put your brain into a car and and you were the car, would you do it? And I have friends that honestly have answered, like, after a lot of thought about it, yes, I would absolutely 100% put my brain into a car. Like, wow. No questions asked. And um, and so that, that's I wouldn't I wouldn't go down. I wouldn't start down that path mm-hmm. personally. I was going to make a joke that when I'm on the on the road, at least lately, last couple of years, it, it seems like there's a lot of we could use some more brains in cars. Um, after, <laughs> at least at least sometimes times of day. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think I'm with with Thomas on this one. It's, you know, I well, I think I'd be more inclined to to see it as as more of like the 
the functional sort of medical kind of thing. If I did have to pick, I'd probably pick something that would enhance my my right wrist, which I overuse and had this mm. tendonitis and it's all messed up and it's taken forever to heal. So if I could, you know, I don't want some big hulking thing like he had, but, you know, just like a brace type thing that looks cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he could look cool and help. I don't know. I could not overstrain it. Yeah, that's kind of I mean, I guess when you do the modification, it does serve some kind of function. You know, that's what it seems like. Um, well, yeah, they, they do. They do stuff. Yeah, I guess they're yeah. not like, completely just it's for decoration. It's purely right? aesthetic, right? Well, I mean, it could be. I could add wings. I guess that it didn't, could. didn't work, but they just looked cool or, you know. Yeah, I guess we haven't <laughs> seen all of the iterations of modification yet. But um, yeah, me personally, like I don't even paint my fingernails. So like I can't see myself getting a modification. Uh, <laughs> But I just thought it'd be fun to ask. Um, and so Fennec wakes up and Boba fills her in, you know, what's happened. And he reveals his identity, as we've discussed, he does many times. Um, and he insists on her drinking a black melon, which apparently takes getting used to. But with time, you start to crave it. Um, By the way, Andrew, just real quick, did you see, I, I swear, like, like a little chill came over her when he said his name. And like, I haven't oh. seen Fennec like remarkably at all at any moment, you know, like she didn't like shake, but when he said, I am Boba Fett, she's like, like looked yeah, a little she, apprehensive. She, and then, yeah. She seems a little, like, little stressed. <laughs> she's like, Bo, Boba Fett's dead. And like tries well, to get it back. I was like, situation. Like she just woke up in some random strangers here. But she, yeah, she <laughs> is, she's no withering violet. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. she is like absolutely this intense, this killer even, you know, and then she hears his name and she like shudders a little like that gives him some cred. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's a good observation there. It's cool. Which she then completely wastes for the rest of the episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. She holds her own. Yeah. Like, so snarky with him. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it's great. We just tries to chase that rabbit pod. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when she gets used to him, it's kind of like, whatever. No, <laughs> but... <laughs> Yeah, but in the conver- I like the conversation between them throughout the episode. Um, but so he he reveals his identity, what happened um, to him also these last few years, and what led him to leave bounty hunting, and that he knows who she is, and he wants her help in getting his ship back from Boba's palace. And so Fennec agrees in exchange for her freedom and helps him scout the palace. By using this cool droid. Have we seen, we've seen something like that, at least in animation, right? Yeah. But before, before we go there, I want to, I want to talk about one of the things that I think is really important in this scene that gets, that could get left out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is something I've been thinking about a lot lately. Uh, and, and it's kind of weird tie in, but it, it's, it, it works. So a life debt is a very prominent theme in, mm-hmm. throughout Star Wars. So you have Chewie has a life debt to Han that they become friends and it doesn't, it's not really a debt anymore. It's just that they're really good friends, but that's the reason that they are together is because mm-hmm. of this life debt thing. And life day is this celebration that is prominent in now the canon of Star Wars. And it, it's goofy in its origins, but I think we can really seriously look at outside of the religion of the Jedi there is a very serious galaxy wide understanding that if someone saves your life, you owe them really big time. And 
a lot of people will be like, well, yeah, of course, that's of course you do. But that's not necessarily the case in our world and our, you know, our societal norms. And mm-hmm. it, that, it's not even the case in many religions that you just owe someone your, their, your life or your your servitude if they save your life. And so it's it's an interesting look into the psyche of everyone in the Star Wars galaxy when you have this very immediate, uh, a shady character like Fennec Shan, who is suddenly in debt to Boba Fett and does isn't looking for an opportunity to run away from him, but is looking for an opportunity to pay off that debt and to get out of it. And that's really like there is some deep religion uh, culturally or socially going on there. That's that's a lot bigger than just, well, I owe him I owe him my life now, of course. Because it's not, I mean, it's not necessarily the case we see in our real, in our world that people don't necessarily feel like that. So mm-hmm. it's a cool look at like Star Wars psyche. Yeah, very cool. I like it. Um, and so now is kind of a good time also to pause and, and talk about Jabba's palace um, that we got to see a whole lot of mm-hmm. in this episode, <laughs> a lot more than we had seen in the past. Um I mean, what were you hoping? I know once we started this series, we were we knew we were going to see more of Jabba's palace and we were hoping that we were going to see more of. So is there still more that you want to see? And what did you think of what we have seen so far? Because personally, I feel like I've we've seen kind of Jabba as this mighty overlord, like mob boss character, but we only saw a very small portion of his place you know and kind of what backed that up so to speak you know and now I feel like I can see more of the wealth that is behind that um and so that kind of informs more about Jabba like the character right so I don't know what you guys feel like if you feel the same way or just what you thought of the palace so far I wondered if he has other holding pens and areas and stuff like that. Cause you know, she Fennec used the word earlier menagerie, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if you had spoken such insolent insolence. Um, and as far as we know, there was just one rancor down there. Now we have a new one, but what else was there? You know, did he have wrath tars around or God? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. It's interesting. Um, I think it'd be kind of cool if now nah, I guess the the climate wouldn't work. What if you like a wampa room? Because I still can't believe that we haven't seen more of those at some point that mm-hmm. I'm aware of mm-hmm. in Star Wars. Like you've seen so many other things, but so yeah, I was wondering about that a little bit. Like it's like this was basically a hangar. Um, there's clearly like I don't know, like barracks types. Yeah, you know, I mean like those guards are all coming out of somewhere. But uh, yeah, I mean there's got to be a visual. Uh, yeah, guys, yeah. that'll that'll <laughs> develop after this as well, you know. So, <laughs> well, and it's been in, it's been in some video games. So, um, you could go right. in Star Wars Galaxies. There was a there yeah. there was a place that you could go. That was it was Jabba's palace, and you could go inside and and visit some of the things that were there. So, I it, this is new. This is not any of those at least that I've seen. So they, they held on to a few tiny details from it, but for the most part, they have made kind of a new layout and. This is more canonical than the video games tend to be. So here you go. This is <laughs> Jabba's Palace. I'm, in, I'm intrigued now to see a little more of it and see mm-hmm. 
how it how it fills out. I really want to know where exactly this throne room that he sits is because it didn't really get explored in this uh, this section because they were just trying to find the guards and figure out how to get the the ship out of the hangar. Right. Yeah. And where does where does I mean what is Fenix? Um, not barracks, but where's her like room? Mm-hmm. <laughs> where does she hang yeah. out? Does she have like a full suite or like you know? She just well, kind of comes guys... out when Black Chrysanthemums, you know, yeah. wreaking <laughs> havoc. And it's like, how far away is her room? You know, so <laughs> yeah, I still, I still feel you. Know, I'm, I'm laughing still about that that scene, and you know, Boba the whole time just like thinking, where oh, I, I pay guards for what, <laughs> you know. But I, um, what do you guys think about like a lot along the same lines as when you said about the throne room? Because I'm thinking like that made me think of Bib, and I. I don't know if I missed something. This is another one of those questions, but like mm-hmm. when he says to Fennec, like right before they go in about how he wants to basically, you know, get back at, you know, Bib for, for, what do you say for double it's crossing? Double crossing me. It's, that's not Bib though. He's talking about the pike. Yeah. I had to rewatch that. Cause I was, yes. Is, yeah, okay. he, he he's said talking the about, pig. He, he's talking oh, about the pike Lord. He says that, bloated, doesn't he bloated, bloated pig, pig or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he's, okay. he's talking about the pike Lord that double crossed him with uh with the biker gangs i don't know man i interpret it as as that would make more when he sense says in a bloated way. pig i mean and you look at how <laughs> how matt yeah. wood looks in the <laughs> Sorry, suit. it's just i don't know i that that really yeah that says bloated pig much more to me than but Ben didn't really double cross him like he ended up in well, the, the, yeah, Star, like, the thing pit is, from his own right kinda, you know that we got, know of i mean well, Who knows what's gone on? Maybe they were dropping that as like there's some other storyline that well, happened while Jabba was be... on the throne that happened. Yeah, I just because I, I think I, I wouldn't flat out say that like I'm confident there will be no more flashbacks, but mm. I, I agree with those who've been who've been pointing out that like at least the way the show's designed, like the mechanism they've been using for flashbacks seems to be over with the back like the specific like you are now fully healed. You know, um, yeah. So I mean, it's not like you know you don't have memories or flashbacks other ways, but it would be different. So yeah, I don't know. I was just a little confused about. That. I'll have to go back and double check that too. Or yeah, just wait till Wednesday. Because then she <laughs> mentions, she mentions a name afterwards. So so she responds to him with so, a name. So yes, I, I'm getting to that. Yes. Okay, there you go. Oh, sorry. Okay. Yep. Yes. No. It's 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 all good. So so when we're outside the palace and Boba, he says goodbye to his Bantha and all that, which was really cute. Go make Bantha babies. Um, <laughs> um, and then they're preparing for their mission. And so Boba reveals he wants to kill this person. And then Fennec responds, uh, asking if he wants to head a, a Gatra. And so I yeah. looked that up. It has a capital G. And so apparently we have actually heard this word before in the Mandalorian. But it was really like just a random reference, just passing. So do you remember that one-eyed gangster who organized like the gladiator matches? Yeah. That Mando went to go see. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. John so, Leguizamo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he he said he swore on his Gotra or Gatra. Oh. And so apparently Gotra is a word from the Hindu culture and it refers to a family line. And okay. so Star Wars seems to be adapting that to mean like your house or your tribe or your, you right. know. So when Fennec is asking, so you want to head a Gotra? Okay. That's what that means. It's like you want to be head of a house, basically. 
Ah, okay. Okay. Yeah. So okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. So so Boba seems to be revealing that the Tuscans kind of taking him in, because he talks about this at this moment, taking him in and making him one of their own really changed his his mind, his like the course of his life almost. Um, that was the impression that I got kind of just from this whole, you know, exp- the whole episode really. Um, so yeah, it's just all the themes of family and like, you know, being a father and having, you know, losing his father and all those things seems to be all kind of tying up into this idea of a Gotra or a Gotra. Well, that, I love that line. You can only go so far without a tribe. Without a tribe. Yeah. Is that yes. something that, I mean, that's... I feel that's like big. that's kind of a theme of his life, mm-hmm. too, right? Where he he wanted that. He wanted a family. And with the bounty hunters, he never ended up getting that because they always just kind of treated him as this as their mascot at best and just the gopher at worst and definitely double-crossed him whenever they could. And so now he's, I think he's kind of come to the point where he's like admired the leader of the Tuscan tribe and the way that that that, family worked out now he realizes well if i want this i need to make it for myself Mm. and that's where he's moving that's awesome i really like it um yes and we'll talk about that more in that particular um portion there but uh here we are storming the castle (laughs) um you know from pop culture every castle has a sewer grate right that's where you break in (laughs) no and no one defends it (laughs) Look, that's how David got into Jerusalem. So it's not, it's like, it's not, it's not an it's, unreal. Yeah, it's, <laughs> no. I mean, you, that's the you real, hired yeah. sappers and trained them in, in exactly. you know, <laughs> warfare. So. Yeah. They did it in uh, uh, the Battle of Helm's Deep. So Exactly. Yeah. yeah this was very similar. Um, yeah. And, but they end up in the kitchen. Um, very cool droids that we see. I heard someone refer to the the kind of chef droid as like the discount General Grievous. Yes, with yes. all the plates. Gosh, that was so funny. <laughs> um, oh. But my favorite was the Lep droid, LEP, the service droid, yeah. the mouse catcher. Yeah, we've seen that <laughs> in um, the Clone Wars, and I just thought it was so cute. I love it when By the, the way, droids was, hum. That's that's one of my favorite yes. things that they do when they just like walk. <laughs> was that and that was EV, was it EV nine? I don't know have in front of me here, but the one that was originally like in processing three PO, and the voice was so mm-hmm. dead on. But I yeah. love that like now like yeah, he's on kitchen duty now. And, yeah, uh, I think there was a similar style droid, same model, if I'm remembering correctly, in Mando in that episode five, running that bar, right? The the oh, tattooing yeah. cantina. Was, oh, really? Yeah, but it wasn't the same one. It was a similar. Mm. style i guess but this was i think i think they confirmed this was the the same one it was like you know our last protocol droid well you know he got upset with him and disintegrated <laughs> so it's like yeah i guess i guess he was also not on the sail barge so good for him yeah and this poor little guy turns himself off when Bo was, was like so do you know who i am that was crazy Dude, I think he came in with the little net was like the funniest thing <laughs> awesome. like, to get rats <laughs> i love it Yes, so they make their way over to um, to the fire spray where it's being held. And, well, they get through a couple guards in the process so the alarm gets set off and all that good stuff. Um, what did you guys think of this action sequence, uh, the retrieval of the fire spray? Did you feel like it was all that it should have been? <laughs> I enjoyed just seeing him and Fennec really kind of 
bonding, yeah. you know, through mm-hmm. the action. I like I like how they're giving him a lot more uh, foibles and kind of humanity in this mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you know I think the thing about Boba Fett is like he can only be awesome for so long, and then at some <laughs> point you gotta like tone it down and say, okay, no, but he's really like he has struggles too, you know. <laughs> yeah, and and they're doing a good job of throwing that in with this. Well, look, he hasn't he hasn't. Uh... It's, you know, it's his ship. It's his father's ship. There's a whole legacy. I love that shot. Like, he yeah. got a little just barely misty-eyed enough for, for there to be emotion, but not like it would be a destiny fallacy if you have Boba Fett there, like, falling to his knees and <laughs> bawling his eyes out over the ship. Like, no, that's not it. But, um, but I, because I, we, of course, know that, you know, as, as fans, I think people who haven't, I don't know how many people are watching this who haven't watched before but i they do need to uh keep some of that in mind and i always think that's a challenge i think we don't normally like we forget about that a lot and i know i do and every now and then it hits me i'm like you you do need to make these shows good on their own too you know because mm-hmm. that, that line of like someone's watching it like what is that and like oh well that was something that was in a comic book on page right. 50 you know it's like <laughs> it, cool but like you know it, it, it's kind of cheating almost but i i thought that was neat, just his, his emotional reaction. And then, um, he looked, he hasn't flown in years, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> he's, he's in it's pitch black. He's trying to, you know, so I thought that was neat. The idea of like, yeah, you know, difficult to get out of here, you know, <laughs> but, um, and I love that shot with, with Fennec too. I don't know if, if someone else is going to mention that, but the, the, the beat there of like the timing of her getting in the ship shooting yeah. and then the closing of the door, like that was just such a great, cinema you know cinematography there on on her you know really awesome yes absolutely thomas do you have anything else yeah well i i I love the way that she's filling out the role i think that uh she brings so much character to this to this role that's you know without her it wouldn't be and she really sells it so well and that that's one of the things i think is so great about both of these actors that you have two actors who are very dedicated to making the character that they play come alive on the screen and the whole world around them comes alive because of that and watching them do it is just incredible and amazing and like you like you were saying mike you know it's not it's a great show on its own it really is like you're you're learning about this character that we all know about you know and we know more about him from everything else that's going on in the galaxy than from him so it's good to try and get his perspective <laughs> but at the same time it's like a really compelling show about a uh it's all it's a coming of age tale almost in a weird way because you know he's mm. in his 50s at this point but he's finally like coming into his own and we're watching that happen and the way that both of these actors can sell that is just intense and really great yeah, like, you know, the relationship level is being explored um, between them. And I'll get into more of that in a bit. But, you know, in the cockpit right here in this moment where you know, he's like, oh, where do you want to be dropped off? And and she's like, well, where are you headed? And, right. you know, I've got a few scores to settle. I'll go for the ride. You know, that was just very like, all right, that's it. That's the relationship. It's almost like, you know, Han and Chewie, like now we have. Boba and Fennec, and it, they're next, almost next time like... don't touch my buttons. <laughs> yeah. That was so funny. That was, that was great. But it's like, you know, they come in a pair, like, now, mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, if how can you have Boba without Fennec now? It just, it they're together, you know, they come together. That's how I feel anyway. 
Who's um, going to be Mando's foil now? Baby Yoda's gone. I mm. know. We shall see. Maybe the little rabbit droid. <laughs> uh, all right. So the next scene was pretty intense, right? The Nyctos Striders just cruising through the desert. And here comes Boba Fett massacring them all. Wow. You know, I think he knows. Like, I don't even think Fennec needed to say it. He knows it wasn't them. I think he's just like, he's got to unload a little bit or, or he's not, I'll put it this way. He's not certain it's them, mm-hmm. but right. I just like this, this, you know, for those who too. might, yeah. And I was just like, for those who might be agreeing with Fennec there a little bit, because that's, that's early on with the whole, like the Tuscans made you soft, you know, and there's been some of that, you know, like, oh man, um, I saw a meme online that was funny. It was actually from when Mandalorian, uh, season two, you know, was going on and it was like a quick little shot of like all these really cool things of him from Empire Strikes Back and then all of a sudden, you know, it just shows him just absolutely getting the crap beat out of him you know, by Sasha Banks in that bar scene (laughs) and it had like Looney Tunes music playing over it, but I was like well, (laughs) how do you feel now? Because here this dude, you know, like the look on his face creeped me out. It's just like like target practice (laughs) yeah i said to my husband at that moment i was like this should quiet all those people online who were like "Mm, boba's too soft in this show yeah yeah it was it was a little bit disturbing and i think that was that was kind of you know part of what they were trying to get across was like this guy's got a lot going on inside right yeah he's not a hero (laughs) yeah he's not a hero he's the daimyo of a game People will fear him one way or another. It's going to happen. He was actively trying to kill Han Solo. Come on. Mm-hmm. You know, or was he, was he shooting at Luke? I forget it, but still, he was trying to kill our heroes. You know, don't forget that. <laughs> yep. So much complication here. Um, and then we fly over the wreckage of Joppa's cell barge near the Sarlacc pit. And uh, that's where Boba apparently thinks he'll find his armor. Um, and, you know, guys, I had to kind of like think this through for a while because I was like, OK, I'm obviously still stuck. he doesn't know <laughs> that the Jawas got his armor. Right. I know that. Right. But he probably like losing consciousness. Like he also forgot that he crawled out of the Sarlacc pit wearing mm-hmm. his armor. Like in his armor. Yeah. So it's kind of like, oh my gosh, that whole experience must have been like really psychologically intense and just like, you know, like for him to forget that. his boots, you know, <laughs> but everything that was part of the armor is still yeah, so I just kept thinking like that's the last place he saw it. Like that's my typical, mm-hmm. like I'm trying to find something I lost, right? Like where's the last place I saw it? <laughs> I know I had it at the Sarlacc kids, right? <laughs> Yeah. So that, that's where like I crossed the line. I'm like, well, I'm good with that now. It's <laughs> like, go to the last place you know you had it. So oh, but he's pretty man. intense about trying to look for it in there. Oh like, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I I mean, mean, did anybody expect him to go in twice to the thing? <laughs> that was cool. No Apparently one in Legends twice. he falls in twice. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know, know if this was a nod to that, like having him go back down. <laughs> but yes, the seismic charge from Fennec, the um, the just the fun of that sequence was great. Um, well, did you and, guys like too? By the way, I love how like somebody pointed out that that the canonization of both versions of the Sarlacc almost because of those who criticized the mm-hmm. beak thing in the special edition, and now it's like, well, it's down in there. 
Right. I was like, there it is. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that was so cool. It was really cool to see. And it was animated so well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yes, Boba um, crawls down. And I like how when he comes back up, he's like covered in this acid, right? And and I think um, Ming-Na Wen's acting choice at this moment, like... She's like, your armor saved you from this acid. Like, what are you doing? You're burning in acid right now. It kind of like reminded me of like a mom, like cleaning off mm-hmm. one of her kids after like this bad rough and tumble, you know, like, what were you thinking? Like, How many times have I told you? <laughs> That's a, or, or my wife, like, yeah, what you did? What? <laughs> oh, gosh. Come here. <laughs> yeah. She's like, you need to find it back to tank. So. Yeah, I just I've kind of mentioned it over the last couple episodes now. But I mean, are you guys picking up on these mom vibes from her? Like as like an intentional acting choice? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, and I think it's great. I think it's it, some of the best action hero females are they they put those mom vibes into what they're doing. You know, you go back to the to the original uh, Ripley from Aliens. That was, you know, that was mm-hmm. her thing in, in Aliens, the, the second movie. She was she was just. She was 100% mom and that's what made her so awesome. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I don't think that's a bad, uh, that's a bad choice at all. And I think you, you have to really, you have to really remember that they're playing the family angle on this. So mm-hmm. he's the dad, she's the mom. That's true. They're really going full bore into that concept. Yeah. it's so. good. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And like, um, even this next scene where they're like around the fire and they're talking some more, um, I actually, I'll get to this, but I think it's kind of like a marriage proposal. So, mm-hmm. so, you know, they're talking about like why he wants to leave his own house. And he's like, you know, how often have you taken a job where that was, un- that was vo- avoidable. And if they had just like thought more, like how many lives could have been saved, how much money could have been saved, all that. And he's like, you know, I need brains, I need muscle, and you've got both. Mm-hmm. And he said he'll give her loyalty to and to protect her with his own life. And so to me, like I'm watching this and I don't know if it's because I'm a female or whatever, but I was just like, this is kind of like, you know, there's no romance like, you know, that we're getting from them, you know, on screen mm-hmm. that we're seeing. But it is like a marriage proposal in a way saying like, I will protect you with my life. You're amazing. You're awesome. You know, and like, I want you on my team. You know, like, I want you in my house. Well, I don't know how they pull off like the two of them. To me, it sort of depends on the scene and the context. I get sometimes like a like a funny kind of like old married couple sort of Mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. So like, you know. So not some sort of like budding, like, you know, just right. over the top romance thing, but like a really like it's like they've known each other for years. Mm-hmm. But then also, you know, and some, I think people will know what I'm getting at with this. It's not meant to sound weird because at the same time, a lot of times I get a real sort of like brother, sister kind of, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, like like the two of them, you know, just this. It's just a great team. And I don't know how, you know, it's a partnership. I, yeah. And. and Father Andrew, I apologize again. Here I bring up episode two again, twice in a row. But but I think you would agree with me out there. Um, you know, I, I I have truly like great things to say about Hayden Christensen. Um, but I just like all the debate about over the years of just like, again, that that chemistry 
at least in episode two between him and Natalie Portman. That's just a great example of where it's very, very difficult. Like when it's done well and when it's right, it clicks and you don't even think about it. And if it's not just right, it Mm -hmm. it just doesn't drive the story maybe the the way it could have and that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I, I think that the casting of these two, you know, cannot be overstated as far mm-hmm. as how, how awesome they are. And I think I feel like and I think we saw that. Right away in the tragedy episode, you know, mm-hmm. and they didn't have a lot of time together. Right. You know what I mean? Like you didn't you didn't get like a real window into the two of them very much in Mandalorian season two. So. Um, right. So but I don't think I really it. expected it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they sold like, it right off the so bat. Good. And, yeah. and I think that's that's the, the benefit of first off having two seasoned actors that know what right. they're doing, yeah. that know what they're about. Oh, yeah. Know, that that know the characters well enough in one case is completely inventing the character. And in the other case, has been the character so fully and completely for such yeah. a long time and, uh, and has been the character's family. Right. This very weird way. Yeah, he, he is this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he I think is the Gatra. <laughs> well and but and that's that's one of the really interesting things that i want i I, i'm wondering if they're going to explore with this is is his relation with the clones Mm -hmm. and because he's building a family and it doesn't necessarily have to like i think the point of having these two i I love the fact that you're bringing it up as a marriage proposal angel because uh the point for these two is that they aren't they're going into a partnership and this Mm -hmm. is very clearly the kind of marriage proposal that is a partnership proposal, like not, not, I love you so much and I'm so enamored with you and the, the, the fireworks and roses. And, I can't stand uh, to live know, without you. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. So this is clearly not that, but it's more the look, you are the person that makes this thing that I'm about to do make sense. Mm-hmm. That makes this, the next 60 years of my life make sense. And that's an effective proposal because that's a partnership right and that's what and i think the thing that they're doing well in a lot of these shows is like you know the the chosen family and in this case rather than seeing him fall into a part of a chosen family he is going to build it right mm-hmm. he's he, mm-hmm. we see with boba fett he's tried to fall into a family and hasn't had success except with the tuscan raiders and he lost them so now he's like that's it i'm doing this myself i'm, I'm tired of trying to find it out there i'm going to make it and right. And she's the first one that he picks. And that's a phenomenal honor for her, you know, with as awesome as we all yeah. know this character is. It's phenomenal. Legendary honor for Boba her to Fett. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And well, she is being offered something that no one else has offered her. I mean, mm-hmm. clearly, you know, just from the way that the acting choices again, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like she puts up her defensive wall at this moment, right? And she kind mm-hmm. of speaks for all those grouchy Star Wars fans. And that's when she says like, oh, living with the Tuscans made you soft. And that's when we get this whole, no, it made me strong. You can only get so far without a tribe. Mm -hmm. Um, I really think that is a message of the series. Um, Because if you think about Boba Fett before, it was, you know, Boba Fett, the bounty hunter, like do it yourself, every man for himself. Right. You know, solo. He's alone. He's alone. And now here is that same, you know, iconic lone wolf saying you can only get so far that way. You can't live your whole life like that. Um, So I thought that was really like, wow. You know, because they 
the cinematography again, like they push into his face just a little bit more before Mm -hmm. he says that. And just sitting by the fire and everything just makes it this iconic, you know, scene. So um, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure we probably all agree that that's like something that they're trying to get across with the series. So it was just a neat moment. Um, And so after he speaks those words, then we see flashes from that post-credit Mandalorian scene where he's taking Bib's throne and then, you know, Benick's up there with the spotchka or whatever it is, you know, that blue stuff. And that she, I, I love it because you can see it very clearly in that moment that she goes to drink and then like is reminded, don't drink that. It's, it's like, <laughs> it's actually not good to drink. And <laughs> like then looks at it. <laughs> yeah. It's kind Sorry. of like, <laughs> Sorry, that was just hilarious. Like watching her do that, I was like, <laughs> "Oh, that was a an acting moment where she was really selling it." And they're like, "No, no, 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 don't, don't. That's actually like not good for you." <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like you know, mouthwash or something. But mm-hmm. um, but then that's when Boba's back to time ends, and that's when he's congratulated on being fully healed. And honestly, like I was kind of shocked to hear that a little bit because. You know, like you were saying, Mike, like we've come to associate the storytelling of the series with those flashbacks, you know, dreams, whatever they are. And, you know, Fennec is the one who approaches then and says, what are what about the scars on the inside? And he's like, those take longer. So that to me, that's saying, well, maybe we're, we will see more, like maybe we will see dreams or, you know, some other kind of flashback because it's obvious that there's still more to see, you know, um, not just in holes in the story that we know, but also like in his development, his psyche and just what's going on inside of him, that there's going to be more. So, you know, um, I don't know if you guys have any more thoughts on whether we'll see that for the rest of the series. I was struck this time with with the end of this one the water and the because he's the bakta is is a water healing and you're on a planet that's completely bone dry mm-hmm. and that was a a very clever use of that moment to remind people that he's in a tank and he's in water and to have that water just kind of leak away from the tank mm-hmm. and he's there now he's healed and the water's gone but that's kind of like you get this sense almost that he's kind of this uh there, there's something pulling him towards changing the way that tattooing works. And I like that, mm. that sort of direction with it almost has some very Dune vibes to it. Interesting. Yes. Mike, any other thoughts on that? No, I think I'm just excited to see, you know, if, if I think if, um, well, I don't know. I mean, if, if episode five, yeah, if episode five doesn't have any flashbacks in it, you know, it'll be the first, one i mean they've all had something you know so and, and not just something but a pretty substantial portion i mean it was like almost what half of this episode was a flashback so yeah. <laughs> most exactly. of first episode was too so yeah i think it'll it seems like a good segue point to where you'd i think it would make the most sense to have the majority from here to the end mm-hmm. of um the narrative now be in the prime sort of timeline right especially if well, I don't want to ruin it. We'll get to there, I guess, to the end of the episode based on what I think has to happen mm-hmm. uh, next this this coming week. So, <laughs> for example, so. Yeah, OK, well, 
let's move forward then. So after the exchange uh, between Fennec and Boba, she reveals that um, the major domo of the mirror is definitely spilling the beans and giving as much information as possible. The mods are combing the streets for the mayor, so we can quit calling them the spy kids. They are the mods. And <laughs> and anyway, so Boba wants to show his face in town because power hates a vacuum. So he goes to the sanctuary, and that's where we see Rex from Star Tours dealing those cards. Yes. Uh, <laughs> more importantly, we have Black Santin in a very bad mood, downing this beverage. He's growling at a bunch of Trandoshans who seem to be banking uh, on that card game. Um, so, guys, what was your interpretation of why he was angry? I mean, I was kind of thinking just general frustration at life, um, but I heard somebody say that because the Trandoshans used to enslave the Wookiees, that that was maybe a reason. Yeah, I think they run the gladiatorial pits. That's um, yeah. That was another thing that I think clues into it. I wouldn't be surprised if we find out that, you know, he was enslaved by Trandoshans. Mm. I mean, they're still giving Wookiee um, pelts as part of tribute because mm. that was <laughs> that was confirmed in the what's first or second episode, whatever it was. So, um, yeah, so that's a touchy subject for for him to be sure. Um, I was laughing though a little bit because I, <laughs> I was looking at that thinking it seems very familiar. I, I, I think I saw something like this go down once years ago. No, it was a little different, but uh, it's like <laughs> that, that moment that like, you know, your, your friend or someone, you know, at the place you're at crosses the line and you're like, Oh God, I think I need to get out of here. Um, so, but the funny thing is, is, it doesn't seem like it's the kind of place that sort of thing happens. You know, you almost expect right. uh, Garza to come and be like, was it Garza? Is that her, her character? Yeah. Jennifer Beals' mm-hmm. character thing. After we're going to come in and be like, take it to Moss Isley. Okay. <laughs> right. That's... <laughs> There's no kind of blasting people down there, cutting arms <laughs> off. That's where you want to go, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, inevitably, he rips a limb off, right? It's going to grow back. Um, and Boba approaches oh, him, yeah. you know, pretty much implied that Boba's hiring him at that moment because then later at the palace, we actually see him guarding this dinner party along mm-hmm. with the Gamorreans. Um, this dinner party with the representatives from the three families who control Mos Espa. And um, this is where I think they were trying to fill in the people who haven't watched the other Star Wars because mm-hmm. Fennec Shand is basically retelling the backstory of like Jabba was on the throne and then, and then, you know, all of that good stuff that we know already. So she's kind of filling in, giving that exposition and, um, she mentions that all those who were present at the dinner table uh, were once captains under Jabba, but they left, quote unquote, the family once B- Bib assumed the throne. Um, and they all tried to overthrow Bib, but they failed. So she is proposing that they continue to prosper under Boba Fett. And so he is sitting at the head of the table um, with all those guards and um, he proposes this mutually beneficial agreement involving no tributes and basically summarizing how the Pikes are taking control, mustering troops, and encroaching on the planet's wealth. Um, and we have this back and forth with the guests kind of saying, well, we benefit from the spice trade and why are you even, you know, 
worthy to be daimyo and then that's when we get the rancor roar right (laughs) and everybody jumps from their seats and we can see they're sitting on top of the rancor pit (laughs) that was that was a nice move i like that i can't wait for the moment when he walks into town or when he rides the rancor into town that's gonna be yes (laughs) well i had to laugh too because the uh you know it's it's for copyright reasons you can't have boba fett say that he wants to I'm doing air quotes, people make them an offer. They can't refuse. <laughs> you need to have him say, I want to offer a proposal and make a proposal that's mutually beneficial. I'm like, hmm. I was <laughs> expecting I was expecting him to go full full godfather there and say say something like, you know, yeah, you can you can do this. But, uh, you know, if you if you sit on the sidelines, I'm coming after you next. Mm, yeah. And he didn't go there, which was which was kind of an interesting well, take. And this is, you know, I. I Little, you know, we're we're a family friendly show here, so I want to be very careful. I'm not. I'm definitely not recommending the movie I'm about to mention. But just as far as a a similarity here with this kind of brutality or, or this the psychological fear of this, and and this was a mu- more muted version of it. But I was thinking of of other you know gang- gangster movies I see when you have this inevitable moment where you know the 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 would be sort of you know kingpin type characters trying to assert himself there was a, a years ago american gangster with denzel washington mm-hmm. you know where he's in a similar situation and just in broad daylight just shoots the competition like right on the mm-hmm. street corner like in front of everybody you know and it's this just this horrific you know in the sinful world we live in you know these things happen you know and these are seen as these these you know terror tactics right these demonstrations mm-hmm. of force and and you know you know what's interesting is it's these characters in this case you know this is again not being quite that brutal, but same kind of thing within this context, you know, of he knows he needs to make the case. If he's going to really make this move, he needs them to know he's the one holding all the cards, you know, and mm-hmm. it seems to be getting through to them here in this scene. <laughs> you know, they all looked a little bit differently at him after those claws came up, didn't they? <laughs> that was that was pretty intense. Yeah. Yeah, and we and besides just saying the uh, claw of the rancor, it was really brief. But we also saw the the lep droid again, the one that had shut himself down mm-hmm. before. So yep. <laughs> um, he's still there. He's working. Um, and so everybody settles back down, sits back down, and Boba finishes by asking them all to join together and vanquish the Pike Syndicate. And um, not surprisingly, the families choose self preservation over this plan um and so boba stands up and asks them to remain neutral and says he will fight alone for the good of the planet and to me i almost wonder if this is like another theme of the show as a whole because if you kind of relate this to life right like oftentimes it's easy for us to choose that self-preservation these days you know and over going you know out of our way to help for the greater good, you know, do something better for the planet, for the human race, you know, for our country, whatever it is. Um, so I don't know if, if you guys, what are, what are your predictions about what this will mean, this whole scene, what this will mean going forward for the future? Like, do you think they truly will remain neutral? First of all, <laughs> I think two of them will and one won't. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's kind of your that's, that's kind of your opinion. normal go to, but I, I think too. I think too. It's interesting. I, I'm interested about the corner that they're writing themselves into with this because the Pike Syndicate is much bigger 
than just one family on Tatooine. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. even if they all band together, the Pike Syndicate is much bigger than the entire criminal force yeah. on Tatooine. So this has to be leading somewhere interesting. And <laughs> I mean, I trust Filoni and Favreau at this point because they're because they just they do really good stuff and they think about this kind of thing and they know the Pike Syndicate because they wrote yeah. Solo and they've they've written these these characters, you know, this whole group into a larger existence. So I'm I'm wondering where it's going to go. <laughs> I'm intrigued. <laughs> Definitely. And I, I don't, uh, for a few reasons, you know, I, I, if we don't go off world in the next episode, I, I think we definitely mm-hmm. will by the end of the show. Mm-hmm. And that was something that struck me too, is just when you think about it, I can't think of any Star Wars ever where there, where we weren't in space and we haven't been at all mm-hmm. this whole time. It's called mm-hmm. Star Wars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was thinking about that. I was like, oh my gosh, like that's, I mean, we've seen some starry nights in the desert, you know, and, but, um, yeah, I, I think, yeah, there's definitely some reasons to think, you know, maybe even the next episode we might stretch our legs a little bit, but it'll be interesting. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And and lastly, we get the really fantastic music kind of ramping up to like the start of a war and Fennec and Boba are discussing war preparations. And we get that line from Fennec who says credits can buy muscle if you know where to look. And then mm-hmm. we we get this shot where Boba is considering what she says and the Mandalorian symbol on his armor is like very clearly in the shot, you know, mm-hmm. and then we hear that Mandalorian musical motif. So, wow. <laughs> what do you think it means? Are they going to go out and find all the Mandalorians they possibly can? I think it I think Din personally um and I don't know where he's at because I went back and watched the end of season 2 and I mean I remembered it but I, I you know the last 12 times I watched it I was just focusing in on the Luke thing and I almost forgot about the the more specific to that show conflict now between him and Bo-Katan mm-hmm. which is completely unresolved I mean it, it's it's just introduced over the dark saber and I started wigging out because I'd just been talking to my wife like within a week before this episode came out and I was like you know I was like this is weird though I said because like there's always some kind of lightsaber in Star Wars I mean even if it's kind of a cheat but you have Darth Maul just light his up just for intimidation through a hologram at the end of Solo mm-hmm. there's always something and I thought, oh, my gosh, because guess who has the Darksaber? Mm-hmm. So I'm fully anticipating Din with Darksaber somehow involved here. I don't know. Maybe I'm hoping too much, but that's my hope. <laughs> that's great. I think I think we might be wrapping back around to some other issues here because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Mandalorians have had problems with the Pikes before. This is something that's this is not a new uh issue and maybe it's a final stamping out of the the syndicates that have been problematic for them uh and and this is like the beginning of that uh so i don't know it's there's a lot of space and but we still don't know the timeline too Mm -hmm. which is the other thing that's really like we've caught up a little bit with where things are so we know you know when he was in the desert and he saw those shots and rescued fennec we know where that was timeline wise but we're not sure if this is post uh, all of the combination experience that he's had with uh, Din, or if it, this is still previous to that, 
when we end this episode. So, well, I think it, I think it doesn't, I think it has to be post, doesn't it? Because when he gets his armor back, the next time we see him with it, and he's, he's recently painted it. Mm-hmm. That's like when he, mm-hmm. when he, when they meet up with, um, oh, I just lost Bill Burr's character's name. Right. Mayfeld. They meet up with Mayfeld. him. And that seems to be like a tight sort of story. And then at the end of season two, we see him in his freshly painted armor with Fennec blasting Bib and taking the throne. So I, I, I was in seeing that this has to be after that, but we don't still don't know how long after that, too. Mm-hmm. Like, you know. Yep, there's definitely going to be a lot of very interesting stuff. I was just wondering right now in the um, the sequel trilogy, do we ever see the Pikes? I don't, think, I don't so. think so. They never really dealt with crime. Well, they did deal with crime. Yeah, with I'm just thinking planet, like background, but... like. They say Poe was a spice runner, but that's just a passing kind of. Yeah, I don't think we see any of the any of the any of the the actual Mm -hmm. beings Mm -hmm. or or their armor or anything in the in the sequel. Angela, I'm so I'm so glad you mentioned sequels because I I would have forgotten this. Otherwise, it just occurred to me. I'm pretty sure, you know, John Williams cameo when he's the bartender in Rise of Skywalker. Mm -hmm. I think he might be a mod. I don't know. (laughs) That's true. He's got the eye thing and stuff, and it's a couple couple decades later. Maybe he was one of these these guys. He did it before Before it was cool. So, Uh, yeah, I don't know that we ever saw any live action Pikes outside of Solo, right? I mean, you would think think that you know at least one or two of them would have been getting one of those drinks from John Williams. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. that was a pretty fancy schmancy place. And you would think that the Pikes would be around. So I don't know. I'm just wondering. It was a very cold know. planet. They're kind of <laughs> fishy. I don't know. Are they cold blooded? I, I don't know. Or how? <laughs> I don't know. They were Hard doing stuff on Tatooine. So uh, they can go extreme. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how this goes. But yeah, it's definitely. I, I almost think, you know, with the guys that are in charge of this show, that they really want, if Boba Fett's going to be in a war, like, it's going to be a war. Like, it's going to mm-hmm. be nuts to watch this go down. You know, I don't think it, it's epic. way it's way too much to hope for, like, because it would it wouldn't make sense to introduce them into the show this late, I don't think. And I don't know that they had any loyalty to him. But what about some of those bounty hunters, you know, from Empire? I just think it'd be so cool to see, like, Bosk and, you know, yeah. Dengar and those guys. But I mean, they were you They'd saw them in old, Expanded but... Universe stuff. Yeah. You know, but. I don't know. Hey, Trandoshan connection. Now maybe there's. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Oh, yeah. who knows? <laughs> oh, so many possibilities. Um, IG eighty well, eight. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say we've yeah. got the IG droids back in already right. with the Mandalorian stuff. So yeah, yeah. All right. Any other reflections, observations, comments? All I right. Think cool. so. Yeah. Well, what about you guys listening? Um, please email us your thoughts about the book of Boba Fett or anything Star Wars, please, at starwars at sqpn.com. Or you can find StarQuest on Facebook at facebook.com slash starquestmedia. Just leave a comment there, or you can tweet us at sqpn. And while you're doing so, please share the podcast. All right, so we would like to thank some special people who made this episode possible, our patrons, including Michael T., Father Matt B., Colleen L., Mark M and Christopher Y. And you also can join them by becoming a patron at sqpn.com slash give. Thank you so much. 
And uh, also everyone can definitely help uh, the show by leaving a review for the podcast, especially if you have Spotify on your phone, on your computer, because as we've been saying, they just introduced podcast ratings. So this is your weekly reminder. Please do leave us a rating and let us know how we're doing, but also help uh, Secrets of Star Wars get seen by more people. And if you'd like to represent our family of uh, finding uh, hope in a galaxy far, far away, you can check out our merch at sqpn.com slash merch. All right. Well, next week we will take a deeper dive into episode five of the book of Boba Fett, chapter five, I should say. So until next time, Thomas, uh, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Star Wars. It's been great. And thank you also, Mike Creevy. I wouldn't miss it. And once again, I'm Angela Cialana. Thanks for listening to The Secrets of Star Wars on StarQuest. Quest.